The quality of your communication determines the quality and effectiveness of your relationships. This is the 10th message in the series, Whose Friend Are You? This message is entitled, Learn Relationship Language. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Our 10th message in the series entitled, Whose Friend Are You? And I want to talk tonight about continuing to upgrade your relationships and wrap up this series by talking about a very important topic, learning what I would call relationship language. Learning relationship language. As we've gone through this series, we've talked about lots of different things. I'm not going to take the time tonight to actually walk us back through all the uh, reviews of the different messages we've been looking at. If you've missed any of them, I would really encourage you to go back and uh, take a look at them online. You can easily get to them at our church website at church-redeemer.org. Right at the very top part of our web homepage, there's information about how to get directly to these resources. You can download them and listen to them for the first time or listen to them again, all the messages are there. But I want to talk to you just sort of bringing together the, the theme of how to upgrade relationships in your life by learning relationship language. As I've said before in this series, the most important thing in developing relationships in life is you. You are the key to your relationships. As you go, so goes your relationships. If you want to improve your relationships, the best place to start is with you. If you work on you, if you get better at being you, if you get better at being the person that God wants you to be, you're going to uh, attract better people into your life, and you're going to be better to the people who are already in your life. And so the real key to learning how to be uh, the, have the right kind of friends is to be the right kind of friend yourself. If you upgrade you, you upgrade everything around you. As we talked about in this series, this upgrade process is intentional. You have to work on it. A lot of times people think that relationships just either sort of magically happen or you just hit it with the right person and all the chemistry takes place and you have these friends because it never requires any kind of work. And that's not true at all. According to the Bible and practical experience in life, if you're going to have good relationships, you have to add a four-letter word to every relationship. It's called W-O-R-K. And what does that spell? Marriages, great marriages don't just happen. Great friendships don't just happen. Great uh, interactions at at your workplace doesn't happen. All of these require W-O-R-K. They require some work on your, your, your relationships and on you. And there's nothing more important in a relationship than communication. Nothing, absolutely nothing is more important in a relationship than communication. And I will add this, nothing is more challenging than communication. It's hard to do. It's hard to know how to really connect in communication with other people. And communication is about language. When we talk about communicating, we're talking about using language. It is the means and the method of communicating. How do you communicate with someone? You use language. It's true in a relationship. If you're going to get into another person's world and if you're going to allow them to get into your world, you've got to learn the language of relationships. And the more proficient you are in the language of relationships, the better your relationships will be. Just like if you go to a foreign country, if you don't know the language, you're going to have a really difficult time navigating the world around you. The same is true when it comes to your marriage, your friendships, your work 
relationships, if you don't know the language, navigating that world is going to be very, very hard. You have to learn, you have to study, you have to practice, you have to perfect, you have to apply the languages of relationships. Now, I, unfortunately, I think it's really true for, for, for most people. I think there's, there's an exception to this, but for most people, they never spend a lot of time even thinking about the language of relationships. They never think that there's a special language that goes along with making relationships really, really work. And so we just sort of hit and miss throughout life, and we never really get the skill of learning how to connect with others in a positive communication way. I want to share with you tonight four things that will help you to learn the language of relationships, vital principles from Scripture. This is not a self-help class. This is a Bible teaching. We go to God's Word because God's Word is the greatest relationship manual you will ever read. And the Scriptures are very clear regarding how we are to do this, how we're to build good relationship language skills. And the first thing I want to talk to you about tonight is this. The quality of your relationships is determined by the quality of your what? What word is repeated there twice? Quality. That's the key word. The quality of your relationships is going to be determined primarily by one thing and one thing alone. That is the quality of your communication. So if you're having relationship problems in your life, nine times out of ten, almost every problem you will ever experience in a relationship has something to do with a breakdown in communication, a malfunction of your communication, a disregard for quality communication. There's a few rare exceptions to this. Sometimes people are just nasty and sometimes things happen in relationships that are outside of this realm. But by and large, it's the key issue of your life. If you want to perfect anything when it comes to relationships, Work on your communication. Now, this is true in your relationship with God. Let's start there for a moment. If you want to have a good relationship with God, and all of us, I believe, do, we would not be in the service this evening if it were not for that fact. We have to focus primarily on our communication with Him. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 or 8. But when you pray, we can take that word pray and say we, for the purposes of our study this weekend, when you communicate, when you communicate with God, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. What I want you to see from this, there are lots of things we could talk about, going to hit some high points here, is that when it comes to talking to God, you're not going to move forward with God unless you are here, two key words, unless you're honest with God and you're intimate with God, correct? 
You got to have both of these things, honest with God and intimate with God. What does it mean to be honest? You go into your room by yourself. You close the door. You talk to him uh, from your heart. You talk to him like a father. You're honest. You can't get anywhere from God not being honest with God. So if you're struggling tonight in your communication with God, get alone with God and just tell him what's really going on. He can handle whatever's going on in your life and come to him intimately. Take a look at this next verse of Scripture. Very important. Philippians 4. 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by what do we say that was? Communication with God. By prayer, communication with God and petition, with thanksgiving, uh, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to see in this passage that in communication there's always exchange. The first passage we saw, honesty and intimacy with God. This is an exchange with God. Here's the exchange. You come to God and you give him your problems and he gives you his peace. That's a pretty good exchange, is it not? So you go to God, say, I'm honest with God, I'm intimate with God, I'm praying, communicating with him, and I, in my prayer, I release my problems to him, and he exchanges and gives to me his wonderful peace. So it's honest and intimate, it is an exchange that happens, and here's the third passage I want to give you this evening, Psalm 5, verse 3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice, in the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Here's the key word that I want to give you in this passage. It needs to be consistent. Everybody say that word, consistent, okay? So we've got to grasp this. Communication with God becomes a pattern of our communication with other people. We are to be honest and intimate with God. We have to learn to be honest and intimate with people. We come to that point of making exchanges with God. That's what communication is. It is a giving and a receiving between two individuals. And then also, it's something that has to be consistent. The psalmist David said, in the morning. Some translations give us this sense that it's every morning. There's a consistency to it, Lord you hear my voice in the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Now, let me just submit this uh, for a response from you. Would you agree that if you have communication with someone that is honest and intimate, and it's a good exchange between you and them, and it's consistent, would your relationship get better? Of course it would. So there's the pattern with God that now needs to become the pattern with us as well. So we have to grasp the fact that communication breaks down if we don't follow that pattern. There are examples all through the, the pages of Scripture. I'm only going to bring a couple of them to you tonight that really where God emphasizes, Scripture emphasizes to us the value of really working at resolving problems with one another and walking in unity with each other through communication. Let me take you to this passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 2. And let me set it up for you before you read it here. Just listen to me for a moment. Paul, at the time that he writes the book of Philippians, is in a Roman prison. According to what we see in the, in the book of Philippians, it is likely that he is chained between two Roman guards 24-7. Okay. He's going through a very difficult period. Roman prison, chained between two Roman guards, bound up for the preaching of the gospel. 
Now, I think that you would probably agree with me if you're in prison for preaching the gospel, you haven't done anything wrong other than proclaim the name of Jesus, you're bound up 24-7 with a Roman guard to your right and to your left, and you're living in a jail cell. And by the way, these were not jail, these were not nice prisons back then. I mean, we're talking about really dungeon-like environments. If you're in that kind of situation, would you agree with me? You got lots of things that could get on your mind that could cause you to be worried and troubled and upset said about kind of all kinds of things in life. It could really be a place for a really good pity party, right? But instead of being in a pity party, Paul writes the book of Philippians, which is known as the epistle or the letter of joy. Think about that. He writes from prison in the mess that he's in, and he writes this letter called the letter of joy, and there are only four chapters. I would encourage you maybe this week to go back and read the book of Philippians. Only four short chapters. And before Paul wraps up the fourth chapter, he's writing to the church at Philippi, and so he is writing to particular people and his mind in the midst of being in prison trying to help people gain joy in their lives his mind goes to a situation that he knows exists there in the church and notice what he says here and I plead with you Odia and Santiki to settle their disagreement and be restored with what one mind in our Lord. I find this absolutely incredible. Here is Paul in a prison, and he's dealing with all kinds of things. He's trying to encourage the church, and his mind goes back to two people who aren't communicating very well. Two people are having problems, and he's saying, I want you to get it fixed. Why would Paul be so troubled about two women in the church who are having a disagreement with each other? Why? Why would he take time out of writing only four chapters to list these two ladies because he knows that failure in communication and disorder and disunity spreads. Amen. Think about it. If you have disorder and disunity in a marriage, what begins to spread in the family? The same thing. And it happens in any relationship. You have a friendship and disorder and difficulty happens in the friendship. Before long, it's spreading past those friends to other friends. And before long, your whole relational world is upset. So Paul says, we've got to fix this. Take a look at what he says here in this next passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in Harmony. Now, do you know what the word harmony is? Harmony is a, is, a, is a musical term, okay? You can't have harmony by yourself. You can't, okay, okay? So harmony is a relationship word, okay? And harmony is, anybody that understands music understands that harmony is involved, you, to, to sing harmony, you have to find what somebody else is singing and add a different scale dimension to it so that it sounds, there's a, there's a consonant sound to it, not a dissonant sound to it. So you have to work, you have to find out the tune that's being sung and come along and add your voice to it so it blends into something beautiful. So he says, I'm, I'm telling you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So what I want you to see just foundationally here this evening as we're wrapping up this series together, that if you're going to have good relationships, you have to have good communication. 
All throughout the Bible, this idea of harmony and unity is emphasizing the idea of people have to learn to get along, and they have to learn to get along with the right communication one toward another. Let's go to our second point tonight. You cannot not communicate. Profound, right? This is a very easy principle to forget. So if you're going to have quality relationships, what must you have? Quality what? Are you with me this evening? Remember we talked last week about, weekend before last, about participation, all that kind of stuff, right? I'm not going to read. So good relationships, good communication, all right? And so here's the thing. You cannot not communicate. So you're communicating something right now in your relationships, whether you realize it or not. And so if, you're, if you don't put intentional effort and intentional hard work in the way you communicate, I promise the law of relationship gravity will occur. Here's the law of relationship gravity. I think this is on the screen here. I believe it is. Here's the law of relationship gravity. The, the law of relationship gravity is everything's always going toward the worse, not the better. Okay? Are you with me? How many of you have a house that just gets better and better in terms of maintenance every year? You never have to paint it. You have to clean the house. It cleans itself, and it's cleaner than it was the last time. No, what happens in any realm of life is the law of entropy. And the law of entropy is things are going from order to disorder. Things are going from really being nice to a mess, okay? That's why you have to, every week, you got to clean your house. You got to paint your house every so often. You got to do maintenance work on your car. Why? Because things break down. The same is true in a relationship. Can I get an amen? Okay. This is the natural, you can start out great. This is where a lot of marriages start out. Man, I wish I could take, show you pictures of every couple I've ever married. They always have a smile on their face. Nobody has ever said after they got married, this is miserable, I hate this, I don't want to do this, okay? No, I've always, every time I've done a marriage ceremony, there's a big smile, they got all the wedding pictures. Man, they're looking good. And about three months later, there's all kind of looks on people's faces, okay? Because here's the deal, if you don't really work on relationships, you're communicating, but you're not communicating purposefully, and so it goes from great to good to it's okay to where the weak, the bonds begin to be weak, and they begin to be very poor, and before long, you're actually becoming very destructive toward one another. That is the sequence of events. That's where communication always goes unless you intervene. Don't ever expect to start out here and end up here without. Don't expect it. It ain't going to happen. You can pray all day long, and you need to pray. If you're over here in a situation, in a relationship, absolutely pray. But prayer is not the only thing you need to do. You've got to add some work to it. How many of you know that sometimes God works through, God answers his prayer through the efforts that you put in as well? So it's the combination, the cooperative process uh, that we work in together. Let me talk to you about how we communicate. When it comes to communication... There's a sender and a receiver. Get your radio, 
Somebody somewhere broadcasting someone, they're the sending it. Your radio is the receiver. The same is true between two people. Anytime there's a talk going on right now, I'm sending information. I'm the one on the platform talking. You're listening to me. Uh, some of you are receiving um, uh, certain messages in certain ways. We'll get to that in a moment by the filters that are already in your life. But I'm sending, so I am the sender. When I'm a sender of any kind of communication with anyone, here are the things that are going on in my sending process. You are going to be listening to the words that I say, the specific things that I'm saying. You're going to pay attention to the tones in which I say those things. I can say them in a tone that is nice and agreeable and friendly and welcoming, or I can say them in a harsh tone. I can communicate. I'm going to communicate in some kind of tone. What is a tone? Think about your stereo. When you go to a stereo, a stereo has a tone adjustment. You can adjust it to the high-end frequencies, or you can adjust it to the low-end frequencies, But you adjust, and it sounds different based upon how you're adjusting it. And then additionally, when I'm sending information there, you're paying attention to looks, not how handsome I am, but how my facial expressions are, okay? Like if a husband and wife are talking with each other, you better believe that that wife or that husband, they're listening to the words, they're listening to the tones, and they're watching what's going on with your face. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Now, did I say the right words? Yeah. Yeah, I said the right words, right? How was my tone? Not so good. And how were my looks? Not good at all. Okay. So I'm saying the right thing, but I'm giving the wrong message. And then sometimes it also by the absence. It's not just what you say, it's what you don't say. That's, so you cannot not communicate. Say it with me. You cannot not communicate. Your words, your tones, your looks, failure to say anything, your posture is even communicating something. If you're having a, I love you. I said the right words, my tone was wrong, my looks were definitely wrong, my posture communicated, even whether you open your arms or close your arms, whether you turn your back toward a person, whether you're, 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 there are a variety of things we could talk about, and then of course, sometimes you're not even saying words, you're making sounds like... (sighs) (laughs) 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 Hmm. What are you saying? You cannot not communicate, okay? You cannot not communicate. You're communicating all the time, okay? You can't not do it, okay? And so all these things, if you're sending these messages, even when you're not saying something, you're saying something. So this is on the sender side. Let's go to the receiver side because when you're receiving messages, you're always receiving them through a filter. Everybody has a filter. We have filters on our life. And so when messages come, we interpret the message based upon the filters, assumptions that we're making about what somebody is saying. Those assumptions are you start reading their mind. They're not saying it, but you think you know what they're saying. You're absolutely sure you know what they're saying. Have you ever been in a conversation before that someone said, that's not what I'm saying at all? 
because you now have interpreted something based upon mind reading them. When, was, when did you take a mind reading class, okay? And so we make assumptions. That's a filter. Past experiences. Well, that's what you said three years ago, and that's what you meant then. You've got to mean it now. Personal judgments, perceptions, or pain. This is key right here. Pain, if you've got pain unprocessed, pain in your life, generally you're going to read most of every bit of communication that is intimate in nature through the filter of your pain. That's why Jesus wants to heal you of pain because pain becomes a very negative filter in your life. You're going to read hurt into practically everything. Your present mindset and mood. If you're in a, how many you know that if you're in a good mood, you hear things differently than when you're in a bad mood. Can I get an amen? amen. You are in church. Come on now, okay? If you're in a really good mood, you got up on the right side of the bed, you're feeling really great, somebody can say almost anything to you, and it's not going to bother you, but you're already in a bad mood, the least little thing that is said is going to trick, trigger something inside of you. It becomes a filter. And then the environment and the ambiance, what's going, if, you are, if you're in a really gloomy room and all the shades are pulled down and it's dark in the room and you can't hardly see the other person, gloomy environments produce gloomy conversations conversations. That's why when you want to have a romantic meal with your spouse, you don't go to a gloomy place. You go to a place that has ambiance. <laughs> you don't really care what the food is. You want the atmosphere. You want that feeling that you get because something just happens when you're in the right ambiance. Are you with me? Okay. So you cannot not... Come on, help me out here. You can't not, not communicate, okay? And so if you want a quality relationship, what do you have to have? Quality communication. What's the reality? You cannot not communicate. Let's go to the next one. The best communication, read these with me, blesses, nurtures, and connects. And so here's the deal. If we cannot not communicate, what we have to do, if we want a good relationship, and we want to improve the quality of our communication, we have to understand what quality communication is. What is quality communication? The best communication, what, what, are the, what happens? It blesses, it nurtures, and it connects. You ought to write that down. You ought to put it on a three-by-five card. You ought to keep it in front of you. About every time you're about to say something, you need to stop and say, does this bless? Does this nurture? Does this connect? Does this bless? Does this nurture? Does this connect? Because that's really what good communication does. If you're not blessing, what are you doing? Come on, help me out. You're cursing, right? And if you're not nurturing, what are you doing? Draining, okay? And if you're not connecting, what are you doing? You're disconnecting. It's exactly right. And so the best communication blesses, nurses, and connects. Here's what the Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But one who prophesies. Don't get hung up on that word. I'm going to come back to it and explain it in just a moment. But one who prophesies, what do they do? They strengthen, encourage, and Comfort, or we might go back to those words we just used a moment ago. They bless, they nurture, and they connect. Now, when we say one who prophesies, what are we talking about there? Well, a prophet is someone who simply speaks God's word. 
Anytime you speak God's word, you are speaking something that has prophetic power. Okay. Because God's word never is, is, is always full of power, right? Okay. And so what we want to do in our relationships, the more I can bless my wife by speaking something that is from God to her, God is never going to curse her. God is not about to drain her, and God does not want to disconnect us. And so when I get in line with God, I'm strengthening, I'm encouraging, and I'm comforting. And so that's the key for good relationships. It's vital that we learn to do this. Take a look at this particular passage of Scripture, Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. Why don't we read it together loud and loudly? Here we go. Do not let any, whoa, time out. Does that really say that? Whoa, that, that's, that's, a, that's a stop sign, is it not? Let's try it again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is incredible as well because here the Apostle Paul says, when you speak, speak words that build other people up, that bless, words that nurture, words that connect. Don't use words. Don't let, here, notice this, don't let a let any what? Actually, one translation uses the word corrupt communication. The idea of corrupt there is words that make a deteriorating, have a deteriorating effect upon something. Don't let any corrupt or unwholesome talk come from your mouths. And notice this, what he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So in other words, how we speak, are we listening tonight? How we speak to each other, God is listening. Wow, isn't that amazing? How I talk to you and how you talk to me and how we interact with each other. There's, a, there's someone else paying attention to the conversation. And who else is paying attention to the conversation? The Holy Spirit, because he is there. He, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And he is, he's privy to every conversation that we have. And if we're, if we're tearing other people down, what are we doing to the Holy Spirit? We're grieving the Spirit of God. That's a very sad thing to consider in our lives that we certainly do not want to do. Notice this verse. Make every effort. Again, what was the key word? W-O-R-K. Make every effort to keep the unity of the, of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Here's our fourth and final point tonight. Great communication is a skill. It is a learned practice and an art. It's a skill. It's something you learn through practice, and then it becomes an art. Have you ever known someone before that was just really artful in the way they communicated? I mean, they just knew how to, I mean, just, we call it diplomatic, okay? they just very artful. They just got into the place that they have such a good, positive, emotional intelligence with people that they're very artful in the way that they communicate, and so they bring the best out of people because of that. So what I want to do is I'm going to share with you, as we go through these final uh, uh, steps together, I'm going to share with you eight, eight actual practices that you can go home so that as you, as you 
want to build a quality relationship, you build quality communication, realizing that you cannot not communicate. And what is good communication? What does it do? It blesses, nurtures, and connects. So how do I start practicing? How do I develop these skills? Let me give you the eight skills that will help you get better at all these things. Number one, simple stuff. Listen well. Listen well. You can't be effective at communication without listening. So often in our lives, we are so oriented toward wanting to say what we want to say that we have no desire or patience to listen, truly listen to what's going on with someone else. And sometimes the best way that you'll nurture someone is just by listening to them. Sometimes the best way you can connect with someone is just by listening to them, by paying attention. Notice what the scripture verse says to us about that. Listen well. Whoever gives an answer before he what? Before he listens is, I didn't say that. Okay. Can we go back again? I mean, you love the Bible, right? Whoever gives an answer before he listens is stupid and shameful. I I don't want to be either one of those things. How about you? Okay. But what cause, what, what results in being this kind of person? Giving an answer what? Before you listen. And that's where a lot of people are. They're just, they're talking like this. Nobody's listening to each other. And you wonder why we've got this disconnect between people. It's because they're not taking time to listen. Here's our second thing that's vital to this skill. Speak how? Carefully. Think before you speak. This is something I have to continually work on because my mind, my mind wants to jump out of my mouth. You have that same problem, okay? With no filter in between. You have that problem, like, okay? And just it's called reaction, okay? And so you got to be careful. It's like if you're if you're driving a car, there's certain certain safety things that you do. And so we ought to like carry around like a big caution sign with us facing ourselves. And every time we get ready to say something, put the sign in front of us that says caution, big yellow sign, caution. Speak how? Carefully. Look at the scripture verse. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. We just talked about that. Slow to and wonder why he added that slow to speak, slow to become angry. Two slows, one fast. Quick to, slow to, and slow to. Wonder why those last two slows are there because they go together, do they not? How many arguments you've gotten into because you popped off your mouth? Hmm? Come on. Just your mind. Your, your, your mouth went in gear. Your, your mind was just bobbing out. And before long, you've got an argument. And you've got tension in a relationship because you, you didn't practice. We didn't practice this one, one scripture. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be 
gracious as well as sensible. How do you have a sensible conversation? You have to think, right? Senses are thinking is a part of that process, for then you will have the right answer for everyone. Let's go to the next one. Seek to what? Understand. Don't seek to be understood. Seek to understand. Let me say that again. Don't seek to be understood. Seek to understand. Because if you seek, if if you have two people both seeking to understand the other person, then you'll have unity in the interaction. Both people will be understood. And so if you set the objective, I want to understand you. I want to understand what's going on with you, then that opens the door for quality communication. This is also in the Bible as well. Fools have no interest in, they only want to. Did you guys know these verses were in the Bible? Isn't that amazing? Okay. Fools have no interest in understanding. So I wonder why we have so many problems in relationships, perhaps that's part of it, right? They only want to air their own opinions. We're just about done here. Avoid mind reading and projection. You are not a mind reader. I don't care how many times you felt, I really knew what was going on with that person. Look, just a chance that you had this. You're not a mind reader. You can't read somebody else's mind. So what, as I talked about a moment ago, when you try to read somebody else's mind or project onto them what you think they're, they're experiencing, you haven't understood them. There's an interesting verse in the Bible that I want to use for this one. Paul was talking about husbands and wives, actually a, a Christian believer who was married to an unchristian, a non-Christian believer. And he makes this statement to them because they were, it says, it was, the issue is whether they were to get a divorce or not. And in essence, he's saying, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What was going on was, how do you know? It's like, this guy will never get saved. Or this woman will never follow Jesus. And they were mind reading. How do you know that? You don't know that, okay? You're mind reading in. How do you know? How do you think that you know what's going to happen with this person somewhere down the line? And so you're mind reading. You're making adjustments. And so he's saying, don't, don't live that way. Don't project. Don't try to read what somebody else is going to do. How many you know that people can surprise you? Not only in a bad way, they can surprise you in a good way as well. Amen? Okay. Lower the temperatures of your interactions. Lower, lower, lower. Try to find the thermometer on your emotions and lower those temperatures. Here's a scripture for that. A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away. Let's stop there for a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer. What does it do? Turns what? Turns away wrath. So somebody says something to you that has the potential of creating a conflagration between you and someone else. If you give a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer back, what have you avoided? Anger, wrath. But harsh and painful and careless words do what? It's just, it's like gasoline on a fire, okay? I tell people all the time, and I try to remember this as well, every conversation you go into, here's the best thing, best way to think, every conversation you go in, you carry two buckets. 
two buckets. There's a bucket of water. There's a bucket of gasoline. And every conversation you go into, you're going to choose. I'm going to throw gas on this fire. And we're going to have it out. We're going to blow this thing up. Okay? Or you can grab your bucket of water. You can bring the temperature down by the way that you utilize and speak your words. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. Be aware of verbal... Am I losing you guys? Are you guys still with me? Okay. Be aware of verbal tones, facial expressions, and body posture. We've talked about that one. Was that in the Bible? Well, let's take a look at this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and what? So what was his look communicating? Huh? So is this, this from the, just the whole interaction? This is, by the way, the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. He looked at him and loved him. It doesn't say Jesus said, I love you. It says it looked at, he looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away very, went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's Jesus with his face saying, I love you. And the man with his face saying, not going to do what you're asking me to do. So it's a facial thing, all right? Here's our next one. We're just about done. This is tough. Say it with me. Stop being. What's the word? You have the power to do this. Stop being contentious and opinionated. Take a look at this verse of Scripture. But avoid useless controversies. How many know that most of your fights are useless? That's why you've been fighting over the same thing for 20 years. It's useless, okay? You're not getting anywhere. There's no solve. It's the same, it's the same argument. You just play it out differently at uh, different times. But avoid useless controversies, genealogies, pointless quarrels and arguments over the law, which will get you point made. Last thing. An angry person, or actually this verse, an angry person stirs up conflict and a heart, hot-tempered person commits many sins. Take a look at now at our last point, last point together. I thought that was it. Here it is. Be peaceful and make peace. Two final verses. Here we go. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Just going to tell you, not everybody's going to be at peace with you. There's some people going to fight with you until they're dead or you are, okay? They're going to fight with you. That's just their, they're contentious. That's how they approach living. But you don't have to live that way. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then notice what Jesus said here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let's review what we talked about tonight. We wrap up the series. Great relationships require great. You cannot not. What is good communication? What does it do? Blesses, nurtures, and connects. And to bless, nurture, and connect, you've got to learn the skills. You've got to 
put it into practice so it becomes an art in your life so that you don't have to think about it anymore because it just becomes the nature of who you are. The nature of Jesus becomes more reflected in how you and I interact with one another. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity that we've had to study your word. We're grateful that your word is so very practical. It goes right to where we live, Lord. It addresses issues in our life. We thank you for it. I pray you'll take this message and allow it to have deep roots within us. May it produce great fruit within us for your glory and for your honor. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new, and that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.